Please turn to Matthew chapter 17, continuing our little mini-series in the book of Matthew. And if you've noticed, obviously, I, I use PowerPoint. I'm a very visual person, so um, it helps me, and hopefully it helps some of you. And I'll put, I'll highlight the main text of our scripture, and I'll, I'll bring in other passages and put them up there, that, that sort of thing. But I don't know if you ever noticed, I never, as far as I remember, I've never put the main passage of Scripture up on the overhead. And I do that for a purpose, because I want your noses in your Bibles. Um, so as we start, I always want your Bibles open, and if you have your Bible, it should be open to Matthew 17. But I'm going to make an exception this morning, uh, and I'm going to put it up there because it's a synoptic gospel, this, the story of the, the Mount of Transfiguration, and there are, like all synoptics, there's a little bit of differences in each one, and I want you to see them because they'll become uh, important, especially uh, next week, uh, so I'm going to make an exception for this time. So Matthew 17, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then Mark adds here, he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And Luke adds, they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew only then includes the next few verses. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And Mark adds, so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox Church, they have a, a special day, uh, August 6th, which on our calendar will be coming up, called the Day of Transfiguration. And uh, here's what they uh, teach about it. Eastern Christianity emphasizes that Christ's transfiguration is the prototype of spiritual illumination, which is possible for the committed disciple of Jesus. This Christian form of enlightenment is facilitated by the ascetic disciplines of prayer, fasting, and charitable almsgiving. You know what that's saying, right? In other words, if you work hard enough, you too can have your face shine like the sun and your clothes be as bright as light. Now, whatever this key event in Jesus' life means, I hope we'd all agree from the start, that's not what it means, right? And this passage, fundamentally, is about Jesus 
relationship to the Father, whom he calls his beloved Son. And this amazing event took place probably on this mount. We don't know for sure. The, the traditional uh, idea is Mount Tam- Tabor, uh, but that's only 2,000 feet high, which doesn't really seem to fit Matthew's idea of a high mountain. Uh, but then if you go to the highest mountain, Mount Hermon is 9,000 feet, but that lies in Gentile territory. So most scholars think that probably wasn't that one. But this is Mount Maron at about 4,000 feet. Uh, it's certainly a high mountain, and it is really the perfect location. If you consider the, the, the context of the passage and where they're at and they're, where they're going, that Mount Maron uh, probably was the place where this took place. And uh, what we see is that Jesus' full identity was confirmed. Good news for you this morning. Only one point uh, in my outline this morning. We'll cover the next two next week. Jesus' full identity was confirmed. So let's make sure we know what, what exactly happened on that mountain. We're told that Jesus was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John. We're told that his face shone like the sun. His, his clothes were as white as light. But what does that mean exactly, right? And it's interesting that this is the only time it happened in all of Scripture that Jesus only did this this one time. The original word translated as transfigured is metamorpho, which where we get our English word metamorphosis. I'm not sure why the Bible translators didn't just say metamorphosis here because it seems to be accurate in many ways. Because think about it, the word transfigured. Do you ever use that word apart from this verse? I've never used that, that word. So it's come to have its own meaning, of course. We know what we're talking about. We say Jesus was transfigured, but it's not a word that we use in regular language. Now, of course, you know what metamorphosis is, is that what happens to, to butterflies. Meta means change, morphosis, body morphology. So it's a change in body structure. The caterpillar goes through this change in body structure while in the, the cocoon, of course. And imagine it from the... The caterpillar's perspective, right? Uh, he, he or she, whatever, hatched as an egg. And in about two weeks, the mass of the caterpillar increases by 2,000 times. So you take little babies uh, born at seven weeks, and two weeks later, they would be 14,000 pounds. That's the increase in mass. It's just crazy. And then two weeks later, uh, this caterpillar who was crawling literally at almost a snail's pace emerges from the cocoon with a uh, transformed body and wings, right? So from its perspective, he, could, he or she could barely crawl, and now you can fly about with these gorgeous, beautiful wings, and in about three weeks, the poor little thing is dead. Butterflies, though, don't have a corner on the market of this process. Insects with complete metamorphosis include beetles, Bees, ants, butterflies, moths, fleas, and mosquitoes. But, of course, the main difference is what? Uh, we kill ants and mosquitoes, but we love uh, to see butterflies. And so we should. If you uh, ever get a chance to watch, I've talked about it before, the YouTube channel Smarter Every Day. Hopefully you, you subscribe to Smarter Every Day. He's got an amazing um, series on, I think it's two videos on butterfly wings. If you ever get a chance to watch those, do that. Such wonders of nature ought to leave all believers in awe of our amazing creator. But talking about metamorphosis, Jesus did not change his morphology, did he? So what did happen? Well, let's fast forward to the end of our Bibles 
And we'll see here in Revelation 1, uh, it's Jesus, and he is appearing, and he's about to give his message to the uh, seven churches. But here is what John experiences. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstand, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The obvious comparison to his transfiguration. Then in Revelation 21, while Jesus is sitting on his throne, all the, the judgments are over, we read this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it, it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So these appearances uh, of Jesus, after he's uh, ascended to heaven, re returned to glory, uh, show his face shining like the sun, and he himself took the place of the sun, right? There's no sun then, only Jesus. Most importantly, these appearances are showing that Jesus in his full glory, uh, because his uh, full identity was confirmed by displaying his full glory. And then what we call Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, so just a day or two before his crucifixion, he's anticipating his own resurrection, uh, and says this, praise to his Father. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. What is he saying here? He's saying that I've always had this full glory with you from, from all eternity because God is eternal. But while he, when he became man, he gave up some of that glory. Some of that glory was, was, uh, was still his, but it was hidden. It wasn't fully revealed. And now he's anticipating that's going to change. I'm going to go to the grave and be resurrected. I'm going to ascend to heaven, and I'm going to have this full glory once again. And what this begins to answer is this complex question of how God became a man. You ought to ponder that sometimes. How do you get two complete natures, fully God, and fully man into one person. Well, the Bible, in a myriad of ways, affirms that Jesus unquestionably was, was fully man. I don't know if you're watching the Chosen series. Uh, we made it through season one, and now we uh, just watched episode three of season two this last week. And uh, in this clip where I'm going to show, Jesus' mother is reflecting on her son's humanity. He was cold, and he was crying, and he needed my help, my help. A teenager from Nazareth, I don't know what I expected. But he was crying, and he needed me. And I wondered how long that would last. He doesn't need me anymore, not since we taught him how to walk and eat. He 
hasn't needed me for a long time, I suppose. So, uh, Mary reflecting on the humanity of her son. I won't spoil it for you, but the conclusion of that episode has a powerful resolution and it, it sort of remains in this realm of the humanity of Jesus because he, he did cry. He was cold. He needed to be taught to walk and eat. He ate and slept and got sick and breathed oxygen for 33 years. In every conceivable way, Jesus was fully human. But he also walked on water and made the blind to see and raised the dead. And his face did shine like the sun. He was 100% God. And this brief moment on the mountain is stunning evidence of this very truth. So in his prayer, John 17 prayer, Jesus anticipated returning to his full glory where his face always shines like the sun, where he did not need to sleep anymore or eat and drink, where his full divinity would be on display at all times. But before that happened, before his resurrection, his full glory was laid aside willingly and gladly. But for Peter, James, and John, Jesus' full identity was on display on that day. Now, in real time, they didn't understand really anything that was happening, and we'll get to their response next week. But now, for us, who we have the benefit of looking back 2,000 years on, we need to see this as a glimpse into the expression of his full glory, the full glory of God. Put another way, Jesus was transformed into his true nature, or we might say his, his full nature. I happen to like the analogy here of Clark Kent and Superman. We all know that under that baggy clothes and those clunky glasses uh, was this guy named Superman. And Superman, right, was his true identity. Clark Kent was, was the thing that was hiding, uh, was not allowing his true identity to be revealed all the time, except when he, he pulled back his shirt and revealed that S. And I'm old enough to remember that means Superman, uh, not hope in, in the new movies. Uh, but he, he reveals his true identity. This is sort of how uh, I, I like to picture Jesus on the mountain, that he could have done this anytime, anytime in his entire earthly ministry. He sort of could have just opened up his robe and the blinding light uh, shined forth and his full glory revealed, his full identity fully revealed for all to see. Because he always was fully God. He never ceased having his full power and glory available, but he chose to, to keep it under wraps. He revealed his full identity. He never stopped being fully God, but his full glory was hidden, except for this brief expression before the three disciples. Now, many of you are familiar with this word metamorphosis and know that it is applied to not only Jesus, but to believers. In Romans chapter 12, we read, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, that's metamorphosis, by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we have a command to be transformed. Second Corinthians, similar. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Neither Jesus nor we have had a change in morphology, right, in, in body morphology. Uh, we are not butterflies, after all, but when you understand what's happening here, butterflies 
got nothing on us because what happens to the believer is far better, far more miraculous and wonderful than just growing wings. Because the fact is that we have already been transformed, we are being transformed, and we will be fully transformed. We have been transformed into someone we could never have become on our own. We have been born again. So whatever happened to that butterfly, our metamorphosis is, is infinitely better than that because our sin has been covered. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us. We have passed from death over into life. Our heart of stone has been taken from us and has been put back in a heart of flesh. We have been adopted as a child of God into his family. Our names are literally written in the Lamb's book of life. The Holy Spirit permanently indwells us. We are in every sense a new creation in Jesus Christ. That's metamorphosis. But that's only what has already happened to us, right? We are presently being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We are promised that we have everything we need for life and godliness. And then we will be transformed at our death into a sinless spiritual being. And our final transformation will happen when we have our resurrected bodies at the return of Christ. Now that definitely will be a metamorphosis. That will be a change in body structure because think about it, especially believers who have been gone now for millennia, right? How much of their original morphology still exists? You know, some of them, every molecule, every atom no longer adheres together and is spread all over the globe and may actually inhabit uh, this chair, or even uh, one of you, right? Uh, so how is the Lord going to pull all that back together? It's just a miracle, miracle of metamorphosis, that what was sown as perishable will be raised as imperishable. What was sown as mortal will be raised as immortality, which is, by the way, what baptism symbolizes. What, what baptism symbolizes what actually has happened to us through the death and resurrection of Christ and what will ultimately happen to us at our resurrection. A true change in morphology of our bodies, a true metamorphosis. But all that Christ has done for us and will do to us is possible and was displayed in his metamorphosis, in his transfiguration, when his full identity, when his full glory were on display. Which is why, as I said before, what the Eastern Orthodox Church teaches, what the Catholic Church teaches about this is, is just plain wrong. It's not possible for his disciples because if we are transfigured in the same way, that would make us what? God. We'd have to be God. Uh, so, and that's just plain blasphemy. For all that we are and will yet become, we will never be more than his creation. And remember, Jesus did not change, did he? He, he revealed on the mount. You and I need to be changed. He just needed to be revealed. Jesus was transformed into his true nature. You and I are being transformed into our new nature. He was also uh, identity confirmed by demonstrating his superiority over Moses and Elijah. The appearance of Moses and Elijah here is, is, is a stunning event. Now, we don't know whether they appeared in bodily form or was it more of a vision. We don't know how Peter uh, recognized that it actually was Moses and Elijah. It's just, it's in the realm of mystery. But here's what we do know. They were very much alive. As Jesus said in Mark 12, 
And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Very much alive. We also know that Moses and Elijah represented the law and the prophets. Moses gave the law, and Elijah could be called the chief, of, uh, the chief Old Testament prophet. Now, his ministry was, was long, extremely impactful, but you've never looked for the book of Elijah, have you, in your Bibles? Uh, if you have, someone was playing a joke on you, uh, because his ministry was not one of the written word, uh, but to serve and to perform miracles for about 23 years, and then miraculously taken up to heaven. And remember, the entire Bible history, your entire Old Testament, is summed up by Jesus with the simple phrase, the law and the prophets. Every time he says the law and the prophets, he means everything before he came onto the scene, the entire Old Testament. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we understand the law lays down the legal requirement of holiness, which is what? Perfection. The law set forth the sacrificial and temple systems to atone for sin by the blood of bulls and goats. But then we go forward to Hebrews and we read there, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Uh, and, and therefore, we must have a great high priest. Uh, he is the spotless sacrificial lamb. He is the atonement cover on the mercy seat. He perfectly obeyed the law. And moreover, his life, death, and resurrection also fulfilled all the prophecies. So he fulfills all law, he fulfills all the prophecies. And not just the ones we think about at Christmas and Easter, all those really extra special ones, but all of them. And everything that the prophets wrote about, uh, predicting the Messiah and calling for repentance and warning of coming judgment, everything that required in the law and everything written in the prophets was fulfilled by Jesus. And then he revealed his full glory while standing next to these pillars of the Old Testament. Moses, the entire law, Elijah, all the prophets. And there he appeared in his full glory as the Son of Man, Son of God, fully God. Demonstrating he was superior to them in every possible way and all that they stood for. He also had his full identity confirmed by his father's voice in commendation. I love uh, verse 5 here. We see humanity of Jesus for sure, but the humanity of Peter, right? Pretty much any time Peter's on the scene, we, we see his humanity. So here in verse 5, he's, he's kind of babbling on, right? We'll, we'll get to that next week, but he's babbling on in fear and confusion. Uh, he was still speaking, we're told. God interrupts Peter. I love that. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. What does that remind you of? I'm hearing it a little bit. Jesus' baptism. As soon as he come up out of the water, uh, it was like a dove descended upon him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. But what's the difference between the two? They're identical except for listen to him. That is almost certainly an allusion to Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. 
I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among the brothers, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. What are you supposed to get out of this? At the very least, they're supposed to listen to this prophet. And this is the very prophet that the Jews had been always waiting for, predicted here in Deuteronomy 18. And, and they thought, among other people, that could have been John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist denied he's the Christ. Well, are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No, I'm not the prophet. Not a prophet, but the prophet they're looking for. Jesus is then the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18. And here we have the very voice of God telling Peter, James, and John to listen to him. He's fulfilling. It, 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 you know, they look back, right? All the disciples' responses become clear as they look back and realize, oh yes, that's what was happening. This man is like Moses, but far greater. This man is like Elijah, but, but so much more superior to him. God's voice on the mountain declared that his son was the Messiah, the ultimate confirmation of Jesus' identity. I don't know if you've uh, done much journaling in your spiritual growth. I pulled out, I determined, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that journaling. I'm clenching my teeth. I'm, it's a good for you, right? It's like taking a vitamin, so I'm going to do it. And I pulled out an old journal, and I had three years of journaling in about 10 pages, all single-sided. So you know, one or two, and then I quit, one or two, and I quit. But, but this time I'm going to do it. And I was telling the guys in our, our men's huddle that I felt a sense, it was just still vague, I guess you'd say, sense that, that I'm, God is trying to tell me something. Uh, something is, is missing in my, in my spiritual life. There, there's a next step that I'm supposed to engage upon, but, but there was no clarity to it. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to start journaling, something I've struggled with. I'm going to start journaling and see if that answers some questions, if, if something clears up. So it was actually the very first day. And by the way, I, I, think, I think it's going to be good because uh, I'm in my third week and I'm, I'm seeing fruit from it, which is, which is really great, which I really hadn't experienced before. But that first day, I, I wrote, um, I felt led to write this question down, what do I want? So again, just trying to turn this vagueness into something more specific, and then listed about six things, uh, uh, and one of them was this, I want to be swallowed up by Jesus. And I didn't define that. Exactly. We'd say, what does that mean? Swallowed up by Jesus. Well, among other things, it's certainly not just a feeling, but there's part of that, isn't there? Where you just have the sense of God's presence, right? That I am small and he is big. And many of those times have taken place in this building, right? When we're singing out to the Lord. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm preaching, uh, I, I have that experience. Many times I'm having conversations, maybe it's between services or it's over coffee or in a Bible study, and, and I certainly feel swallowed up by Jesus then, no doubt. Many times as I'm having my own devotional time and, and I encounter something that describes the bigness of God, and, and if, if I read it right, that my own smallness, I, I feel swallowed up by God. So, so it happens a lot, but, but I think it can happen more. Like it can happen a lot more. And I think if we allow it, this passage about Jesus revealing his full glory, I, I think can and ought to, to swallow us up. 
Because to really understand all that came before him and all that was represented in the brief moments of his face shining like the sun, being what he was always, always was and, and will be again fully expressed, uh, the uh, fulfiller of the law and the prophets, and that just a glimpse of that, a momentary glimpse, caused the disciples to, to fall down in utter terror. They were swallowed up, weren't they? These men who had been with him already for three years were swallowed up by his presence. This uh, gal is still quite young, but seems to be, from what I can tell from a distance, someone who is being swallowed up by Jesus. Her name is uh, Sydney McLaughlin, and at age 16, she was in the Rio Olympics in 2016. She became the youngest member of the Olympic squad, and uh, before so she's 16, so this is before her senior year in high school, which is just amazing for a track and field event. And before she flew to Rio, she said that whether or not she wins a medal will all be according to God's plan, which is really a good thing for a young 16-year-old to say. Last month, you may have seen this, during the Olympic trials, she has been going neck and neck for the last two years with the former Olympic gold uh, medal, uh, runner in this 400 meter uh, hurdles and uh, back and forth and uh, sometimes losing sometimes winning uh, a year or so ago the other gal had to set a world record to barely beat the Cindy McLaughlin and now at the Olympic trials she beat the other gal setting another world record and uh, here's what she wrote on her Instagram after this the face of a woman who is in awe of God. So happens that she turns 21 this Thursday, and the following day will be the final of the women's 400-meter hurdles. Uh, she will almost certainly win gold or silver. You watch these two women race, and there's, there's no one even close to them. But whether she does or not, this is her true motivation also posted by her. She said, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. Records come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. Now, we ordinary mortals who will never be at an Olympics can't have this experience to, to feel what being swallowed up by Jesus looks like, but we have so many more opportunities than that. I would say even in the mundane, right? Get up in the morning and open your Bible. You can be swallowed up by, by the Lord's, not just bigness, but, but his goodness. He, he's big and powerful, but he's perfectly, infinitely good at the same time. And our, our smallness, yet... We're a son and daughter of that big, good God. As you change a diaper, as you mow the grass, as you go off to work and ah, you don't like it today because uh, it's a hard day. But, but even in that, you can be, if you can just even reflect back on this big, good God, be swallowed up by Jesus. I hope you want that. I hope you want that. And I think even as we 
sharing the Lord's Supper together. The Lord's Supper represents a lot of things, but I think we could agree that seen rightly, we, we are, in essence, right, swallowed up by his work, who he is and what he has done for us. So we invite everyone who would, uh, has placed their faith in, in Christ alone, uh, we'd like for you to, to share in this together. I would say, though, a, a warning the Bible puts forth, if you're holding on to sin, unrepentant sin, and you've refused to let it go, so, so not sin that we struggle with every day, but just unrepentant sin, you refuse to let it go. The Bible says, don't partake, that's dangerous, but the Bible also says, you can repent right now, right now, before you go to the table. And then if you need to reconcile somebody, you can repent this way, vertically, and then horizontally, as soon as you can, uh, reconcile with that person. Then, then please, please come to the table. So we'd ask that you come down the center aisle, take the elements, have a seat, and then we'll partake together.